Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of a Although the mainstream scene may tell you otherwise, in my humble opinion, hip-hop is in an amazing place right now. And one of the biggest reasons why I feel this way is because the genre has become like a Republican's nightmare. It's borderless. It has become second nature for a rap album to feature countless different influences, incorporating multiple subsets of music within the hip-hop realm and outside it as well. I feel this increased freedom in the fluidity of hip-hop has led to artists exploring new territories of music that is pushing the genre forward 1,000%. Take Richmond, Virginia-based McKinley Dixon as a prime example. This is an artist who folks throughout the years would attempt to classify as the conscious rapper, and then after that, the jazz rapper. And while surely these labels were lazy generalizations, I understand why people do this. As humans, we just love to categorize things because our minds are on a constant quest to make sense of the world around us. But with artists like McKinley Dixon and his new album Beloved Paradise Jazz, he renders such classifications obsolete. Whether the music he makes is technically jazz rap, pop rap, big band rap, it's all irrelevant. Because the mixture of styles of music that he put together is absolutely seamless, that it makes the end product defy previous formulas and classifications that your mind may want to tack onto it. McKinley simply makes good music, following his ambitious artistic vision wherever it takes him. And so I'm so honored to welcome McKinley Dixon to the show today to speak about how he creates such rich, eclectic music, talk about his take on music's ability to inspire change in the world, And then we dive into the making of his fantastic new album, Beloved Paradise Jazz. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, This is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. McKinley Dixon, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Rohan? I am doing fantastic. I'm so excited to have you here. Been loving this new album. I know others are, and just really, really excited to be getting to know this record and you a little bit more. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, the amount of things that you, people that you've interviewed recently, even, it's just really it's really nice to see that sort of the quality of the culture doesn't go down when it comes to the interview process so it's good i appreciate that man for real and i gotta give a shout out to one of your frequent collaborators teller banks friend of the <laughs> show guy i've had on the show because he's the reason why i got put on you because oh, he was yeah. featured on both of these records but uh, particularly yeah. one from 2021 he was just speaking so highly of you in that album and i'm like okay gotta listen to it and i loved it so yeah, just got to yeah. give him a shout out. Shout out to Teller. Yeah, that verse on BBNE on Former Mama is crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy, crazy verse. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. 
Okay, so how did shit happen? Your ass is now rapping, I guess we can make that work. The money is stacking as long as you snapping. Okay, I guess it's got perks. Your music got passion, your story, yeah, I mean, I guess it does hurt. What if we made it a little bit more, mm, think about it like this. You not the realest, you know that, right? They not gon' feel this, you know that, right? You need some healing, this pain you concealing, there's so much more to life, I mean. You not the realest, you know that, right? They not gon' feel this, you know that, right? And so, speaking of your music getting put on to others, like, if I had to sell your music to anyone who's, like, unfamiliar, one of the core things I know I'd highlight is that you have a really, you really have a passion for making albums. Like you put a yeah. ton of care in making sure your albums feel like complete ideas where you have like a very clear vision versus, you know, like other artists, like, you know, make music where make albums where it kind of feels like it's more just a collection of tracks, whereas yours feel like there's an intent to like concept or theme. And so what is it about making projects in a specifically more like holistic or narrative driven way that excites you or inspires you? I think there's, I mean, honestly, there's so many things for, from the beginning, I think I'll usually be about two songs in before I fully lock in the concepts and the ideologies that I try to push. You know, for this one, I think the first songs I had were Sun I Rise and maybe Dedicated to Tar Feather. So two very different, like sonically different songs. But I think the best part about making a concept album is sort of writing the story and being inspired by moments in my life that fill in the gaps. You know, I sort of don't write the overarching story at once. You know, a lot of the times I map it out to be like an actual book. Like this one is more so like a book mimicking the sort of title Beloved Paradise Jazz. Every three songs is like a new chapter in sort of a way. So mm -hmm. I think that I love putting Easter eggs in there, you know, like for my mama had like some lines like bullet, bullet enter his right eye, exit his gut, his guts berserk, you know, like stuff like that, you know, references, obscure little references and things like that. So I think I really love when people sort of, I also love when people dive in, you know, I love when people are like, this is what I think this is, even if it's wrong, even if it's right. You know, I think the reaction is very, very nice too the story there's a lot of things really a lot of things that are I, I feel excited about writing concept albums with and i think your literary influence definitely shines through in how you make albums like obviously the tony morrison influence is heavy in the in a lot of your work and specifically this latest album but i think that i can see that because you really map shit out in a in a very conscious way that's like quite interesting thank you thank you yeah i mean beloved is so the story starts with the, the the book starts with, that's why I also call it a coming of age, sort of coming of age tale, because the book starts with the intro, the prologue, which is Hanif reading Tony, and then it goes into the first couple songs, is Beloved, Live is the signifier for Paradise, and then Jazz is the last couple songs on there. So it sort of is a book. It's all inspired by Tony in more ways than just like the lyricism. You know, it's also inspired by the way she does the trilogy. Because before this album, I made a trilogy, you know, who taught you the importance of it for my mama were all part of one sort of process to map my growth and sort of see how I can become a better lyricist, but also not putting all of my resources into one album, you know, sort of to gain friends and community along the way to make Beloved Paradise Jazz. That's interesting. I love how that, yeah, they kind of like build into what 
they build up to what this album ended up Definitely. being. And in the age of like, you know, like playlists and streaming, do you feel like the album format is on the decline or it's dying? Because I feel like people have some varying opinions and I'm curious what you think. Um, it's interesting because everybody in their mama is like, yo, this album is so short. Even if they love it, even if they hate it, they like this album is so short. It's too short. It's too short. And I'm like, I'm not going to hold you. If I had two more songs, you probably would have said it was too long. You know what I mean? Like one of the big critiques for, for my mama was the middle section sort of drags on. And it's like, that's real because, you know, I'm, I was learning. But I think with this one, my format is like, do we want short songs or do we want long songs? What do we want right now? You know what I mean? So I think that the format of the album isn't necessarily dying, but I am seeing a lot of folks make 15 to 20 track records and that's a lot of that's a lot of songs to put on that on your album, you know, especially mm-hmm. when it's so hard to even do a third verse on one song nowadays. So but I don't think it's dying. I think it's yeah, I think we still got concept albums. I just think it's not everybody's concept. Yeah, I like how you put that. And so another main thing in this like, you know, hypothetical scenario where I need to give an elevator pitch for your music, you know, mm-hmm. the richness found in your intr- instrumentation is 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 really phenomenal like there's so many like so many different styles of music you pull from jazz playing a very key foundational role in in all that you do so talk to me more about your relationship with music and jazz specifically you know growing up as a child all the way to your early days as a musician yeah so jazz i mean so many people think that i listen to jazz all the time and it's honestly i don't listen to jazz my influence is my influence so so I started sort of making music that was, I started listening to music when I was younger. That wasn't really music that I enjoyed. You know, I came up in a in a place, in a location that was not really suited for people like me or you in a marginalized sense. So I started listening to like a lot of rock records, older rock records. And I was like, it don't sound that good, you know? So then I started listening to more like, you know, early 2000s. We had like My Chemical Romance. We had The Used. We had a lot of those folks. A lot of those cats that sort of would do like dramatic and theatrical type mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like really big like parades and stuff. And I was like, okay, I do love the thematics of these albums. I do love the look. I do love how some of these cats sort of take gender in their own sort of freeform way, but it's not really, I don't identify with none of it. You know, it's not really music that is for me, you know? So mm-hmm. then it sort of became this thing where I was like, well, let's move to the next step. So then around high school, I started listening to old school rap. I was like, all right, well, I got the themes from these cats. Now I need to learn about the storytelling. So then I started listening to a lot of older rappers and that up until college was sort of when I started, that's when I met, like started talking to Guilty, Rest in Peace Sean and all of them and sort of started learning how they write and put together their lyricism, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, I was like, all right, a lot of these old heads are great storytellers, but they either don't have the dreams or the they don't need the dreams to seek validation. They don't need to seek validation outside of their community, outside of their 10 block radius, you know? And it's like, well, I love all these old heads. They are content living the life that they've always lived because to them, accolades were never something that was like needed, you know? They got mm-hmm. it from the homies. So what you need more than that, you know? So then I was like, all right, let me switch it up. And then I went to college and I got into the DIY scene and the DIY like punk scene, DIY rap scene sort of shows you that you can do anything. You know what I mean? If you really want to, if you really believe like touring back in the day was so much harder, but so much easier because it was on my own accord, you know? And it's right. like, I think then 
by that point, I started making my records. You know, I started making these albums and the albums sort of were such a big community effort enrichment me because the first one was all beats. You know, that was like right as I was leaving school. Second one, in importance of was sort of me dipping my toes into like how this music, how this jazz sounds. And then for my mom was me sort of going a little too far with the jazz and just making whatever I can make with all that stuff. You know what I mean? And then it was Beloved Paradise Jazz where it all came together. So a lot of it, I don't really listen to jazz. I'm more so make these records because my rapping is so, my rapping and my stories and my tales are so vulnerable and conversational. The only way to sort of mimic that is with jazz, you know? It's like if I randomly start getting louder, then I can have the sax get louder. You know, if I want to get quieter, I can get I can have the sax get quieter. The keys come in, you know, mm-hmm. the harp comes in. So it's sort of like is the perfect jazz is the perfect soundscape for when you're sprawling, when you're talking about beautiful images, when you're doing so many things, when you're having a conversation. You know, and I think that's why a lot of people sort of put me in the jazz like category when in actuality that's just the best genre for me to sort of talk, you know, it's the best genre to talk over. Man, I love that. I, I definitely see the, again, on these last two albums in particular, the way the relationship between your voice, like you said, kind of like when you, you raise your voice, like the sax, that idea of like the relationship between your voice and like the moment in a song where you're getting like maybe quiet or you're not yelling, but getting way more impassioned. Like mm-hmm. obviously standouts like Make a Poet Black and uh, yeah. like those yeah. are like great examples of how the sound really just puts so much more juice into what you're saying and makes it so much more haunting and like in that p- particular example and powerful and jarring. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I think that I think that it's just so easy to sort of one of the reasons why my music is so felt by so many people is because it's so easy to. If you, my music is about vulnerability. It's about conversations. And to make a conversation happen, you sort of have to have emotions. You sort of have to be vulnerable. And I think jazz music allows you to be really vulnerable instrumentally. So then I was like, why not match it with me being vulnerable, like vocally, you know? Yeah. And and another really big reason why I love your music is the way you talk about, you know, what, for lack of a better word, like socio-political topics, because I feel you do it with a very skillful and I think necessary nuance, because obviously you're, you're clearly well-read that kind of goes without saying, in my opinion. So you do a good job of like being insightful and specific and detailed in like the content of the ideas you're talking about. But I think the key here is that like you inject a lot of humanity into the equation as well. And I do find in rap, especially, but in other genres of music where sometimes it can just get too academic to where like i don't like i can't as a especially if you're not as someone who's either directly affected by whatever's talking about or just not aware it just is hard to really engage with it but with your music like it not only gives me something intellectually to chew on but it makes me feel something like it's that soul and uh, i think that soul is really in my opinion what can spark change or make someone like spark change or action inside of someone. So in relation to this topic, and I found something interesting, look, doing some prep for this interview that you majored in the study of movement through media. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so I think you'd have a perspective on what I'm going to ask you here. So it's like, how influential do you feel the role of music is when it comes to inspiring change in people? So it's, it's, it's funny because a lot of people also sort of come to me and they're like, 
you know, people come to me at the end of the shows, they'll come to me on the street and they'll sort of be like, what do you think about this really big sociopolitical issue? You know, and I'm sort of just, I'm, I'm at this point where it's like, honestly, I don't really be thinking about it. You know, a lot of this music is not me talking about every nigga, you know, it's me talking about my niggas. And I think that a lot of people find accessibility in that, you know, and I think the difference. So I, I believe that there's a couple types of artists. There's the type of artist that puts themselves as the sole person in this music and you are watching them. And then there's the type of artist that puts you in the music solely because it's sort of like a generational sadness. You know, we all sort of can feel these things. It's not locked down to an emotion, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but then I think for me, I try to put a lot of we statements, a lot of I, you know what I mean? It's like, if it doesn't work the first time, we come back with more people, you know? And I think that sort of allows people to then see themselves in all of the music, you know? It's like, instead of me just doing this, we both now in the backseat, you know? It's like, Tyler Forever, it's like, we're both in the backseat of this car now as this is going down. And I think that allows people to sort of see themselves in it. So for me, I'm not... People will try to put me, I used to be a conscious rapper before jazz rap, you know, before I was the jazz rapper, I was a conscious mm-hmm. rapper before my mama. So now I sort of switched over different titles, you nice, know, but, nice. you know, it's, it's like, it's all, it's all the same coin. And I think music can definitely bring a lot of issues to the forefront. I think that it's a very fine line with rap to be preaching on your soapbox and to be not caring at all, you know, and I think. I think if you sort of write about what you experience and the people around you and your loved ones, then you're going to realize that there's always going to be someone else out there that doesn't know you that also identifies with that really heavily. Mm-hmm. And, and I find also like if you do frame things again, there I don't because I like the way you said there's different types, but the particular with the type of music that as kind of like as you're saying, you put you you try you allow people to see themselves in your music. I find mm-hmm. with that kind of approach, I do find it's pretty effective in the sense of like building empathy because it's kind of bulletproof in a way to like, there's one way to say like, hey, I think the world is like this and this is a problem, et cetera. Someone can be critical of that and from an mm-hmm. intellectual standpoint, but then if someone's saying like the same idea, but it's affecting me and I feel this way about it, it's it's like, I can't say as much because I can't just be like, no, you don't feel that way. It's like you, exactly it's their experience so in, in, in exactly. a way i feel like it builds that connection to at least be a little more open and i think music especially in general i think it has an impact particularly because like i think all art can have this kind of effect but mm-hmm. yeah. i do think music is specifically positioned to have an impact because just like off of logistics because you can read like if you really love a book or really love a movie like you're going to consume that a few times in your life like most people are going to watch a great movie they love mm-hmm. a few times there's not many people are watching movies over 10 times right whereas exactly. a song or an album that i really love i'm listening to that stuff that that music many times for the rest of my life so it's just the just the, the logistics of being con- exposed to those kind of ideas constantly i feel like could be pretty powerful Definitely. And I think, and that, and you're exactly right. You know, it's like with the song, you sort of hear also the words, you know, and I think hearing the words and not having a visual sort of puts us nowadays in a completely different space, headspace than, you know, like a movie, you get to see it and you see the visuals. You don't have, there's no room for you to think of what this would look like, you know, but with music, there's plenty of room for you to think, what would this look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It kind of allows for like a, 
you to create your own world with it, make your own meanings to it and uh, engage with it. Yeah. I like that. Um, And you, you certainly do really good job at when you do actually try to be a little more descriptive when you have your Mm -hmm. videos, I just have to say like, especially the recent ones have been very, very fucking good. Like, Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Now you know we got a little budget now, so we make mm-hmm. it a little bit better. Everyone, everyone's gonna get a little bit better, hopefully. So we're working on it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, because I just, yeah, I just really do commend you for the way you tackle these things because I do find sometimes it can either get kind of preachy or it can another thing it can just get a little bumper sticker wraps sometimes where you're just Definitely. like you can tell like they may they genuinely could be meaning well, but it's like I don't feel like I'm getting anything personal or getting anything intellectually insightful you're just kind of tagging along which is fine it's but it's not really doing much i feel and i feel like some people get a little jaded to that kind of content definitely definitely in that sense definitely and i think it's good to keep it fresh i think i think the other thing is a lot of musicians but specifically rappers because black trauma sort of pays the bills you know it's like i made two records before for my mama but it wasn't until for my mama that people started caring before my mama also has make a poet black on it you know and that was like a big song in my catalog but it was also a very very harrowing scary time in my life you know and i right. think that you sort of get in this mindset you're like well trauma sells you know i need to keep doing these things that are keeping me sad because then otherwise i'm not gonna make a record sale you know and i think I am of the mindset that it's like, it's good to process in between records. You know, you sort of make a record to process and then you have to process in between those two records. You got to keep moving forward because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're going to make a stale discography, you know? And I think that's what a lot Mm -hmm. of people fall into is that, you know, we see a sort of a lot of these bigger rappers, people talk about mid, they talk about they're not selling, they're not doing this. And I think it's because a lot of them sort of get in the headspace that the one thing they do sell and it's a little scary to switch to something else. And, you know, and it is. It is scary to switch mm-hmm. to something else. But at the same time, if you're not processing what you're saying, then you're still going to be stuck in these headspace from two records ago, you know. How I could have underestimated son. How I could have been so blind from the light that it brung. Eyes once wide, now seemingly white from the fun. Blindly staring at the beauty whisper, what I become? I'm feeling for that fleeting feeling of warmth. I ain't mad, she ain't shared, yes, yeah, Paul for the course. All my niggas get their language directly from source. So we grip everything the light touched directly from porch. And pull it closer, figured how to catch light up in fists. Now it's time for us to find out where other sons exist. Bullet men for the temple. So let's get into this absolutely exceptional new album in a little bit more detail, Beloved Paradise Jazz. I have to say this album, I mean, it impressed me in many different ways, but I think firstly, just the ambition that's been common throughout your discography, but this album, it's really theatrical. I think it's really interesting. You said you listen to like MCR and Panic at the mm-hmm. Disco. I heard you say in another interview. Cause I can feel that like very, like just that pure theater aspect, like it Definitely. flows. There's like songs where it feels like you're listening to like a Broadway play, if you will, with the hooks, like how, just how theatrical it is. It's, it's really beautiful. And then there's obviously like more stirring moments of like orchestral beauty, jazz. And then there's some sadder, more darker places. And just the whole time it's very beautifully arranged, very elaborate. So was there a particular aesthetic or feeling you were trying to evoke through the album sound and songwriting? Shout out to my producer, Sam Koff. So we work together on a lot of the instrumentals. Usually the, the theme sonically was really just like 
big. You know, I really, I really love. So before my mama, I was making six minute long songs, really dense songs, really long songs, putting sax solos on top of flute solos with the harps, you know, a lot of different things. And I didn't really care about the density of it, you know, because it was like, or the the length of it, because it really was like, these songs are for me, you know, and I'm making them and I'm going to release them, but they are for me ultimately, you know, and then. With this one, I was like, I'm going to try to hone my craft a little bit and make dense songs, but shorter, you know, make them make put as big as big movements as I can within this music, but making it into the compact of like two and a half minutes, you know, and that's why I like Sun I Rise is like a beautiful instrumental, but it's a two and a half minute long song, you know, so that was the main theme with all of it. It really wasn't like, you know, I love. I love big band stuff. I love putting all that. And really is like, if I feel an inflection coming along, I'll just put a section of like really loud in it, you know? And I think, I think I just aim to make something that I wanted to hear. You know, I wanted to, I always want to hear rappers rap over big bands. You know, I always want to hear them rap over all the strings, all the harps, you know, not every single time, but I would Mm -hmm. love to hear it a lot more, you know? And I think that's what I just, I just wanted to do that. So I did it. Yeah, and I think you did a really good job. I personally am very partial to that kind of sound. Like I've always really loved, yeah, big band. I mean, I just love strings, like any any genre, strings. rock that has strings. <laughs> strings are just they hit me in a different way, and I I love this album a lot because of the sound. And you kind of touched on it there too. This thing we and you mentioned it earlier in this conversation as well, like the shortness, the brevity of this mm-hmm. album. It's really distinct, and it's especially distinct in contrast with for my mama because those there's really clear like pop structures very tight pop mm-hmm. structures high ranging melodies like but and I, I find it interesting because yeah you said like the the solos you had a lot of so, time for solos sax mm-hmm. solos piano whatever this one even though you're playing in still a lot of jazz sounds like you you do have like more of a pop structure and mm-hmm. so was there this like kind of concerted effort to apply like a less is more uh lens to this album be as like I want to be as brief as possible. Yeah, I think I think also it was just like I just didn't want to write anymore. You know, like I, I was like like for my mama because it took so long. I never knew when it was done, and I mean you can hear on the song "Protective Styles." Like I got me a desktop mic at the end of that, and I literally was just like, I'm just gonna record sitting down the rest of these this last like two <laughs> songs. You know, and I was like, I don't care how it sounds. And then you hear in the mix, you're like, God damn, it sounds so different. But with this one, it really was just like. I didn't feel like rapping no more. I feel like the songs, every song does exactly this, the idea that I want. So I sort of have like a structure with my with my albums. You know, it's like it's got to have that one harp song, you know, the emotional harp song. It's got to have the catchy song. It's got to have the teeth rattling song like Mezzanine Tipping, you know. Oh, yeah. But these ones, I just sort of like locked those in and really made them. I worked with someone else also because usually I'd be producing my own stuff. Like From a Mama was all done by me instrumentally. So and with the help of like all the musicians that played on it, but like I produced all of it and arranged and composed all of it. But mm-hmm. this one, I arranged most of it and composed a lot of it, but then I had a producer that helped me, Sam. Sam, yeah. So that is then also sort of how it became. Cause it's like if I if it was up to me, every single song would have had a sax solo. Nobody would have wanted to hear that. So Sam was like, ah, ah, let's not do that. Let's actually make a let's make this song instead of leaning really jazzy we make it more poppy you know because there's nothing wrong with that and i think no, a lot of people think there's something wrong with that but it's like run 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 was my biggest song you know and i love the sound of it but that's like my more poppy song you know so i think it was i just didn't have anything else to say 
I mean, people have this impulse as listeners, especially as someone who's very into the underground scene in hip hop, mm-hmm. that the whole like mainstream is anything that's kind of sounds like it could play on the radio. People have like an allergic reaction sometimes. We're like, man, yeah. there's a lot of good music that's like popular too. Maybe not all the yeah. time and maybe not now on the radio. I'm not really listening to the radio ever, to be honest, but like we got to got to understand like got to move past that because man like yeah the 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 structures and like the the i just feel like this album's very exhilarating like i leave Thank it you. and i just feel like a really dope 29 minutes of my life and i just want to play you. it back it's not it, it it got the point across like really Thank beautifully you. i appreciate that yeah like no wasted yeah, a lot space is like it's a little too short and i'm like nah it's really not because it's like i mean i'm i'm not arguing with no critics but it definitely is like you can just play it back, you know? You can play any song you want as many times as you want. You can play the whole record as many times as you want and not get tired, you know? And I think that is where the shortness of it really makes it makes it impactful, you know? It's like, I could have had four more songs on there, but then what people have been like, oh, I had to listen three times back, you know? So, Yeah, there's bad. there's a ton of variety too. Like, I, I find that's pretty unique with this album because I've... I've been listening to a lot of short albums. It's becoming very popular in the underground scene as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, sometimes I like the like the shorter album because you it gives you an ability to kind of be so concise and or and cohesive and like consistent. But if that song, that same album with the same kind of sound was like 50 minutes or 40 minutes, you'd be like, okay, yes, a little, a little too much now of the Definitely. same thing but this is like very unique in that you are covering the gamut of like there's a huge ebb and flow of different sounds different Thank you. energy and that's what i think is quite unique specifically with uh beloved yeah you know it's like you do what you need to do on it. i don't need to do i don't need to say anything else you know i really i really think that it has the intro song it's got the closing song with the kids and the singing you know it's really just like a, a a short book that is going too fast, but the pictures look really nice, you know? That's so you just got to read it again. That's beautiful. I love that. Thanks. I love that. You're a rapper for a reason. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a, there's a beautiful, like you'll be talking about a lot. There's a beautiful musicality with this album, but I, I, I don't want people to be like forgetting this. There's a lot of thought provoking, a lot of meaty verses on this album too. And I do feel like just in terms of what I get from you lyrically on this album, you're the like the last record really felt more intensely cathartic like it was wading in more traumatic waters like there's some mm-hmm. really like you were exercising some demons and while this album has some darker moments and it's talking about serious topics i just get this feeling that it's like more uplifting dare i say hopeful even so yeah. like what would you say would be like the central idea or message or perspective that you were aiming to for listeners to take away from this record um, so I, I call it a coming of age sort of movie because it really is like people think coming of age is you coming out of your teens into your adulthood. But honestly, you can come into age at any time in your life. You know, I think I think we sort of have timelines that die and we don't resuscitate them continuously, you know, eras of our life. And I think for me, this is a coming of age movie for someone going into their 30s. You know, it's like these are sort of the last moments as we run away from the sun. You know, it's like these are the last sort of breaths we take before we hit an age that it's like, we can't just be messing around anymore, you know? And I think that's what this album is where it's like, it's like, there are just so many moments. It's not me expelling trauma anymore. Sort of me being like, 
well, what are we going to do today to make it better for tomorrow and to make it better than it was yesterday? You know, and I think that's what this album is. You know, we happen, we, you get, you have the beginning where Hanif walks you through the city, you know, and then Hanif sort of ends you at the house that this takes place. And then the next shot is sun I rise where the sun is rising, you know, and that's like the beginning of the book, you know, and then from there we sort of get this day, have this morning together. And then we hit, um, that's the beloved. Then we hit paradise. And it's sort of like run, run, run. Now we have to keep it moving. You know, now we're, now we're out of the house. It's like these upbeat moments of us just keep it pushing. We got to see what this world is like. It's like, Oh, something scary. Oh, something beautiful. We just keep it running. You know, we're seeing, people we love sort of be taken by the sky, you know, going to the clouds, run as fast as they can. And we're trying not to be caught up in that. And then you get to sort of like jazz where it's like the story so far. And now we're walking through this bodega and everything is reminding me of instances from before, you know, and I think it's sort of, and that's why I sort of jazz has the section where it's like, I look up to the sky so beautifully. I never seen the sky so differently until the day that you die until the day that you, you know, and then this sort of mm-hmm. becomes this thing where it's like, now we are talking about this person that was with us earlier. You know, it's all about progression. So it's all, it's all like, it was all, it's not, it's not trauma anymore. Now it's like, it is more cathartic. It is more like, we're just, we're just reminiscing, you know, me and you mm-hmm. are just riffing it. We're just sitting on the stoop talking back and forth now about these things, you know? I think that's why maybe this album really hits me. Cause I think we're the same age. Uh, yeah, even yeah. Check, like we're both 95 and yeah. I, I, I resonate so hard with this time in my life. Cause I just feel like it's, it is like, you're, you're not, you can't, you have to have some level of like, gotta get your life together. And you feel all these exactly. pressures of, you know, money and just like your, what you're going to be, what do you, what do you stand for? Start to become real things. And it can be a lot, but I think what I get from this album is definitely like, there's just like you kind of like shedding free mm-hmm. from the past. And like, you're like, I'm willing to push through with some like faith, you know, exactly. I'm going to choose to be positive and hope for the best kind of. Exactly. And that, and that literally is what it is, you know, like sunrise, you're waking up, you're like, this is a new day. You know, it's like how I could have underestimated sun, how I could have been so blind from the light that it brung eyes once wide now seemingly white from the fun, blindly staring at the beauty whisper what I've become, you know, and it's sort of this thing. Well, that's how it begins. And then it ends with sun lens cracks to both sides of my eyes. My gums still black. Or else you tell that I lie, showing off my canines, go too bright for the reverend. And though they all go, me and dog might see different heavens, you know, and it's sort of this thing where all of them is reoccurring. You know what I mean? You have moments where the character that is me sort of goes into the past where he's like, a shaky hand sweeps the table of the crumbs while a little boy hopes someday he'll get closer to the ones that set off the explosive tongue so one would kill last summer he lifted his head and butterflies escaped his mouth and not his lungs you know sort of calling back to life from the kitchen table where it's like mama pulls heartbreak up to her chest and folds up cards to keep like stable it's sort of these things where it's like these are not the last instances of what we're doing but every single moment now is so impactful because you don't know you know we about to we about mm-hmm. to be 30 we about to change our life in some direction you know and i think that's why it's a coming of age movie and that's why i also think a lot of people around our era sort of came up on like you know my chemical romance is a little bit older than us but you can tell that they were still like late teens sort of talking about the future you know like panic disco their best years are behind them because they were making records for you know what to do if you're like going into your 30s 20s you know what i mean so i think a lot of it 
I came up on a lot of music that was looking forward into the future and using the past to describe it. And that's where I'm at now. Right. Well, that's so well said. So before we wrap this up, man, I just uh, want to give you an opportunity to tell people how they can support the new album. And if there's any other coming, you know, uh, other music, merch, concert dates that you want to shout out as well. Yeah, we're doing some headlines in New York, Chicago, and Richmond in September, going back out to Europe in November. But the main thing people can do to support is really just talk about it. You know, it's like I sort of got all the press, you know, I got all these publications and they're like really, really beautiful and really cool. But it's really just like seeing all the word of mouth and having people come up to me and having people sort of post on Twitter, you know, now. Whenever someone is like, what is the best album? What's your favorite album in 2023? It's like, at least one person is going to say my name, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's a big deal for me and that's a big deal for you. And I think that's really what it is. We're sort of all in this. It's never, if it don't work the first, who taught you to important stuff for my mama three times, then you come back with more people and it works with Beloved Paradise Jazz, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this album's casting a very wide net and I think uh, I see the response and I just, I feel like your music special, like simply put, and I feel even more confident after having the chance to speak to you now. The vision, the ambition, I think it's just going to bring you more acclaim and success in the future. I appreciate you. I mean, honestly, we're going to see if we can get that three-peat. Mm-hmm. I ain't had no sophomore slump, but we're going to see if we can get that three-peat, you know? But it's also like, I mean, going back to talking about the timeline, it's like, you know, rappers aren't really allowed to age like that. So it's like, what am I going to do next, you know? That's why this is a coming of age movie. You know, it's really like, it's like there's a line on it where it's like, I walked through the garden, uh, wasted my life rapping, hope this shit wasn't in vain. I walked through the garden, flowers don't remember my name, but I think I like it like that. You know, it's sort of like, what do we do now? You know, my mama hounded me to get a job. You know, I can't just be rapping forever. You know, I got to take the bus. I can't just, I got to get a job, you know, sort of these things that are not like people is obviously talking about, but in the way that I'm sort of talking about it, it's like, it's not the end of your life. You know what I mean? It's never going to be the end of your life, figuring these things out. It's just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there's a big difference there. And I, I do hope that's changing. I do feel like it is changing that idea of like rappers being able to age gracefully and keep making music and get love. I, I do feel that a tide is shifting with so many artists getting some of definitely. their biggest moments in their 40s. Uh, definitely, definitely. And it's great. I mean, we we could talk about the only other record that, rap record that people are talking about besides mine besides that jpeg one is maps you know and that is like mm-hmm. like billy woods don't even let you know how old he is you know but he <laughs> he's doing it and he's in it he's not he's not letting up you know yeah so, he's got guys touring like a motherfucker like i'm about to I see him know, in toronto I again know. i've seen this i mean i went once to brooklyn but like otherwise i've seen him like five times four yeah, it's it'll be my fifth time in like a year crazy. and a half arm and yeah, hammer and solo crazy it's like i mean it's so dope I mean, his whole thing is so is so dope. But it's just, but that is goes to show you, like, you can get your life whenever you want. You know, it's. I used to think that all this would be done by twenty five. Now here I am, aiming at thirty, and it's like, nah, I really might just begin. So we mm-hmm. gonna see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, I'll leave it on that note. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you again. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Peace. the 
summer, I'm less likely to falter. Gold fingertips rusted, now the color has altered. Deny food from the hand, Michiaka's insulted. The house is crumbling, hurry out the back door, bolting. So there we have it, another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace. Peace.